Our Lord, as we recognize the fact that you are a source of hope in life and in death, I pray that today, as we open the scripture, that you will equip us, inspire us, guide us into how we can run well in the race of faith, that we will not bow out early. And Lord, I pray that your word will do its work in our lives. In 2 Timothy, Paul wrote how all scriptures God breathed is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. So that, Lord, I pray that we will be equipped to live the life that you're calling us to live and be faithful to you throughout the rest of our lives on this earth, Lord. Please guide us in this time. Please inspire us to follow you. And I pray that when we leave later today, throughout the rest of our earthly lives, that you will equip us and empower us by your spirit to stay faithful to you. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> now, near the end of Paul's life, he famously declared, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. You know, it is hard to finish well in the race of faith. Paul did it, but it is still hard. I have seen many people through the course of my Christian life who have, at one point in their lives, been excited about Jesus, but then, some, for some reason or another, they fizzle out. For some, it's because they get busy and just kind of stop pursuing spiritual growth. For others, they become bitter toward church and God. There are people who have been enticed by ideas or lifestyles. They just pull them away from Jesus. There are any number of reasons why, but it is hard to finish well. And so with this in mind, today we're going to be looking at how we can prepare ourselves to run well and to finish well in the race of faith. I invite you to turn in the Bible to Acts chapter 20. If you're using a Bible from the Pew, Acts 20 is on page 1120. Now Acts has been very full of action with a lot of fruitful ministry, but today we're going to reach a turning point in the book of Acts. From Acts chapter 20 all the way through the end, to Acts 28. It really follows the journey of the Apostle Paul toward the end of his ministry and life. If you've been here in recent weeks, I think that you will notice a tone shift in today's passage. Last week in Acts chapter 19, we witnessed a riot in the city of Ephesus. In the first part of Acts chapter 20, it talks about how after that riot, the Apostle Paul left Ephesus and they began to kind of travel around here and there for a little while. And today we're going to be in the second half of Acts 20. And Paul, at that point, was making his way to Jerusalem. Verses 16 and 17 say that Paul decided to sail past Ephesus so that he might not have to spend time in Asia, for he was hastening to be at Jerusalem, if possible, on the day of Pentecost. Now from Miletus he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. So let's stop there for a minute. I want to look at a map just to see where these cities are. You can see that Miletus is just a little bit south of Ephesus. Paul at that point was sailing along. He was going back to Jerusalem. He didn't want to spend time, significant time there. He, he'd spent years in Ephesus. He built a lot of relationships there. But he didn't want to go back into that city because he knew if he did, he'd probably end up spending a lot of time there. He wanted to hasten on to get to Jerusalem. But he wanted to see the leaders from the church in Ephesus once more. And so when the ship landed at Miletus, he sent word to the church leaders in Ephesus had them come down to Miletus just for a brief visit. Let's pick up in verse 18. 
<clears throat> it says that when they came to him, he said to them, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility and with tears and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews. How I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to the Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now, behold, I am going to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But I do not account my life of any value, nor as precious to myself, if only I may finish my course in the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus, to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. And now, behold, I know that none of you among whom I have gone about proclaiming the kingdom will see my face again. Therefore, I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all, for I did not shrink from declaring to you the whole counsel of God. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away the disciples after them. Therefore, be alert, remembering that for three years I did not cease night or day to admonish everyone with tears. And now I commend you to, the, to God and to the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and to give you the inheritance among all those who are sanctified. I coveted no one's silver or gold or apparel. You yourselves know that these hands ministered to my necessities and to those who were with me. In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul's basic message here in Acts chapter 20 is that I have been faithful, I am leaving. You all need to be faithful to carry on the mission. In many ways, the Christian life is kind of like a relay race. Ministry is like a relay race, where we are to pass on the baton of the faith to the next generation. Now, Jesus was the first to run this race and to pass on the baton. Near the end of his earthly ministry, he said to his followers, go and make disciples of all nations. He's basically saying there, I have been faithful. I am leaving. You all need to be faithful to carry on the mission. Now Paul is doing the same thing as Jesus did. He's passing the baton of ministry and the Christian faith to the next generation. Especially to those leaders of the church in Ephesus. Now, let's dig into Paul's basic message here. In terms of being faithful, he said in verse 18, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day I set foot in Asia. And then Paul highlights his faithfulness in everything from enduring hardships, to sharing the gospel, to working hard to provide for his needs, and to provide for the financial needs of those around him. 
In verse 35, he said, In all things I have shown you that by working hard in this way, we must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus, how he, he himself said, It is more blessed to give than to receive. So Paul's message to them was, I have been faithful, but I am now leaving. In verse 22, he said, Behold, I'm going to Jerusalem, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. He's basically saying, okay, I'm going to Jerusalem, and when I get there, I expect that I will face sufferings. And so in verse 25, he says, I know that none of you will see my face again. I mean, that is pretty stark. Saying, okay, this is going to be the last time you're going to see me. So he's saying here, I'm leaving. Therefore, you all need to be faithful to carry on the mission. He had spent years equipping them. I mean, Ephesus was the longest city where he stayed during his missionary journeys. He stayed there nearly three years. He invested in them. He equipped them. And now he's officially passing that baton of ministry to them, saying, carry it well and pass it on to others. In verse 28, he specifically says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock, which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers, to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. So Paul is emphasizing this is a very important role that you have. As church leaders he's saying that jesus he paid a high price to purchase the church the people of god he paid with his own blood and there's a real sense there where paul is highlighting the reality that as much as we may care about the church jesus cares about the church so much more now verses 36 to 38 show what happened next it says that when paul had said these things he knelt down and prayed with them all. And there was much weeping on the part of all. They embraced Paul and kissed him, being sorrowful, sorrowful most of all because of the word he had spoken, that they would not see his face again. And they accompanied him to the ship. You know, saying a big goodbye is hard. I imagine that we all have experienced that. Maybe it's a good friend that we had whether in elementary school or in adulthood, a good friend, that they moved away or we moved away from them. And we recognize we may not ever see them again. Or if we do, things will not be the same. Or I think back to, for myself, to December of 2014, when I walked out of my grandmother's uh, room in, in the nursing home for the last time. We had a great conversation that day. But I knew that because of her failing health and because of the long distance I lived away from her, that most likely that would be the last time I ever saw her alive. That type of goodbye is hard. And that's what the people from Ephesus were facing with the Apostle Paul. You can imagine their emotions as they were saying goodbye to Paul. It talks about how they were weeping, how they embraced him. He had introduced them to Jesus. He had nurtured them in the faith. He had shared life with them. And he had entrusted them with the ministry that he had started in Ephesus. He entrusted them to lead. He ran the race well. He finished well. So the question is, how did he do that? 
And how can we follow in the footsteps of Paul in finishing that race well, too? That's what we're going to look at for the rest of our time together now. Looking at five factors to help us to run well and to finish well in the race of faith. So five factors based on Acts chapter 20. First factor, factor number one, finishing well, is humility. Humility, Acts 20, 18 and 19, Paul says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility. Humility is key if we want a healthy relationship with God. I would say that if we don't have humility in our relationship with God, there's no way to actually have a healthy relationship with Him. Because without humility, we are essentially going to say to God, God, I'm going to do it my way. No matter how much lip service we give to God, we will essentially be holding God at arm's length if we are operating without humility toward Him. Scripture actually says that God opposes for the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Also, without humility, in terms of our relationships with other people, we're going to struggle to have healthy relationships. Pride tends to create bitterness and conflict in relationships, even within church. And this is one factor that causes many people to bow out of the race of faith, because they get bitter, they get repelled, and pride influences that. Without humility we will become unteachable. We will end up having major blind spots. On the other hand, humility helps us receive correction and input, which we all deeply need. Proverbs 16, 18 says that pride goes before the fall. And so if we want to run well and finish well in the race of faith, humility is key. Now, factor number two in finishing well is to clarify and prioritize your goal of following Jesus long term. Perhaps you've heard the saying that if you aim at nothing, you'll hit it every time. If you aim at nothing, you're going to hit it every time. And for many people in their spiritual lives, they're essentially aiming at nothing. You know, many people set up clear goals in their work or for saving money or for losing weight or for athletic achievements and performance. You know, people have goals in those types of things, but very few people set intentional goals for following Jesus. Yet listen to the Apostle Paul in verse 24. He says, I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself if only I may finish my course and the ministry that I received from the Lord Jesus. So he had clearly identified a goal in his life and he's saying my main goal is to follow Jesus faithfully. And to finish the race that he set out before me, that includes the ministry that he has entrusted me to. He's saying that I am giving everything I have. I'm shaping my life around the pursuit of that goal. So that leads to a question for you and for me. How badly do we want to finish well in the race of faith? How badly do you, how badly do I want to finish well in the race of faith? You know, I think of goals that I have pursued wholeheartedly. I'm a goal-oriented person. I've had quite a few of those types of goals. For instance, I think of how in high school I wanted to set a school record in track. One of the realities is if I wanted to set a school record, I could not lollygag in practice. That's not going to get me a record. I'm going to have to devote myself to that. I'm going to have to push past the point of discomfort. 
I ended up achieving that record. It stood for a few years, and then someone else broke it. Shows that oftentimes earthly goals that we pursue, they end up being kind of cool, but at the same time, they don't really stand the test of time. But that took discipline, it took effort. Or I think of how back in 20, 2017, I had a goal for myself of biking 1,000 miles per month. I mean, that is a lofty goal. That took a lot of sacrifice, took a lot of effort, commitment. Now, I achieved that goal through the course of that year. In retrospect, I became very obsessive about it. That goal actually became an idol for me that was less than healthy in many different ways. But that shows the pursuit of a big goal. It takes commitment. It takes intentionality. It takes sacrifice. So the question is, how badly do we want to finish well in the race of faith? Do we really want to pursue that goal? Do we really want to achieve that goal? You know, many people treat Jesus and church essentially as accessories in their life. Where Jesus and church get the leftovers if it fits in, but they focus more on sports or on work or in school, or in time up north, or in sleeping in, or in watching TV. And Jesus gets the leftovers. And that is a recipe for not finishing strong in the race of faith. Because our focus ends up being on all these other things. And Jesus just gets the leftovers. Now for me, one of the goals I have for myself comes straight from Scripture, 2 Timothy 4-7, where the Apostle Paul said, I have fought the good fight, I have finished the race, I have kept the faith. That is one of my goals in my spiritual life. In order to get there, I, or you, if you have that same goal, are going to have to let that type of goal shape the way that we live. It can't merely be lip service. It must actually shape the way that we live here and now. Let's move on to factor number three for finishing well. And that is perseverance. Perseverance. Paul said, I have fought the good fight. Now, oftentimes, when we think about fighting fights, we probably think of physical altercations, maybe like throwing punches or pushing each other. But that's not actually the root of this idea that Paul is talking about, about fighting the good fight. Because this word fight comes from the Greek word agon. Agon talks about giving something everything we have in the pursuit of a goal or trying to achieve something. We get the word agony from the Greek word agon. It's the idea of just laying it all on the line, giving everything that we have, pushing ourselves through pain and through, through challenges in the pursuit of a goal. And this is going to take perseverance because in life, as in sports, we're going to face challenges. There are going to be times where we get knocked down. But really, this should not surprise us. I mean, Jesus himself said in John 16, 33, in this world, you will have troubles. And so if we want to persevere, or really if we want to finish well in anything, including in our race of faith, we must persevere. We have to prepare ourselves and not be surprised when circumstances are calling us to persevere. In Acts chapter 20, the Apostle Paul highlights his perseverance. In verse 18 he says, You yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time from the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord with all humility, and with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house. 
So Paul is talking there about how he faced physical hardships, how he faced social pressures and opposition. He says, I did not shrink. What he's saying there is that he did not let those challenges stop him or get the best of him. Instead, he persevered. So that is another key, another factor for finishing well is being dedicated to persevering. Let's move on now to factor number four for finishing well. It is to surround yourself with Christians who encourage your faith. And this is one of the absolute keys for perseverance, is to surround ourselves with Christians who encourage us in our faith. Now, it's a well-known principle in exercise or in, in physical training that that type of thing works best when we are with others who are also exercising or training. That helps us to persevere. That helps us to be committed, to follow through, to get the best results. Exercising is, is usually best done in the company of others, at least if we want to persevere long term. And, it, and it's the same in following Jesus. That's why Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 says, Let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another. Even way back then, a big temptation for Christians was to stop meeting with other Christians. But what happens when we do that is we are endangering our ability to finish well in the race of faith. In fact, one of the surest indicators that someone is falling away from Jesus is that they pull away from meeting with other Christians regularly in things like worship services or Bible studies or accountability or prayer groups. Down through the years of me being a Christian, that's one of the identifiers that I've seen over and over is that you can tell when someone's falling away from Jesus because they pull away from Christian fellowship. Earlier in Acts chapter 20, there was something really interesting. We didn't read the passage. Uh, we kind of glossed over it. I summarized it. But let me read a couple of verses for us, especially from verse 4. It lists out seven names who are with Paul. It says, Sopater the Berean, son of Pyrrhus, accompanied Paul. And of the Thessalonians, Aristarchus and Secundus, and Gaius of Derby and Timothy, and, and the Asians, Tychicus and Trophimus. So it lists seven people there who were traveling with the Apostle Paul, and there were others as well. Luke did not mention himself who's writing this account. One of the things you see if you study Paul's ministry is that he nearly always had people around him traveling with him as partners in ministry and people who encouraged him and his faith even as he encouraged them and their faith. I mean, Paul was not isolated in how he was living or pursuing Jesus. And we can't be either if we want to finish well in the race of faith. Let's move on now to the fifth and final factor I want to highlight for finishing well. And that is to be alert about your vulnerabilities. Be alert about your vulnerabilities. Paul said, pay careful attention to yourselves. I know that after my departure, fierce wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. And from among your own selves will arise men speaking twisted things to draw away disciples after them. Therefore, be alert. So Paul is highlighting that false teachings are one of the things that can pull people away from Jesus. He says, 
pay careful attention to yourselves. He says, be alert. So the question is, what vulnerabilities might pull you or me away from finishing well? What are our vulnerabilities? None of us are immune from falling away from Jesus. I put myself in that category. I've seen enough pastors through the years fall away from Jesus that I don't think I'm immune to that. You are not immune from that. And my vulnerabilities may be different than your vulnerabilities, but what vulnerabilities do each of us have that may threaten our ability to finish well in the race of faith? Let me share with you a true story. Back in 1945, Billy Graham was 27 years old. His ministry was just really ramping up, but he was having a very significant ministry already, filling auditoriums around the country as he preached about Jesus. And he went on to become one of the most influential Christians of the 20th century. Now back in 1945, there were a couple other young preachers who were also having very significant ministries for the Lord throughout the country who were filling auditoriums, who, who were actually seen by other Christians as even being more gifted than Billy Graham, as having more potential for the kingdom of God than Billy Graham. Chuck Templeton and Bron Clifford were those guys that I was referring to who were doing the same thing as Billy Graham, and actually at that point, even more. They were getting more notoriety from Christian publications, from Christian leaders, Brian Clifford and Chuck Templeton were the ones who were seen as having brighter futures in ministry even than Billy Graham. So why is it that you have probably never heard of Chuck Templeton and Brian Clifford? Maybe a few of you have, but probably most of you have not. Why? Well, by 1950, Chuck Templeton left ministry and declared that he was no longer a Christian. That was just five years later. And by 1954, Brian Clifford was dead. Brian Clifford became an alcoholic, got involved in financial irresponsibility. He lost his family. He lost his ministry. He lost his health. Then his life. He died of cirrhosis of the liver in 1954. Broke and alone. If you think back to 1945, all three young men were very active in preaching the gospel to thousands upon thousands of people, having an impact for the kingdom of God. Yet less than 10 years later, only one of those three was still running the race of faith. It shows how hard it is to finish well. It's hard for big-name people like that. It's hard for normal, everyday Christians like you and me. When Billy Graham died back in 2018, the magazine Christianity Today published a special feature on Billy Graham. One of the articles that really grabbed my attention talked about how Billy Graham finished well in his faith and in his ministry. It says that early on in his ministry, he realized that a lot of people around him who were also in ministry, just like his, were bowing out of the race of faith. They were not finishing well, even those early years. And the article says, quote, to prepare his own defenses, Graham called the members of his evangelistic team to his hotel room during a campaign in Modesto, California, in November 1948. He said, God has brought us to this point. Maybe he is preparing us for something that we don't know. It says that Billy Graham then instructed them to spend an hour recalling issues that had been stumbling blocks to previous evangelists. 
The assignment was easy. They had all seen enough evangelists rise and fall or leave town in a cloud of disillusionment to be able to pinpoint the key problems readily. When they regrouped in Graham's room later that afternoon, each had essentially the same list, which, became to, which came to be known in the oral tradition as the Modesto Manifesto. The two main pitfalls they identified were money and sexual immorality. So on that day, and from then on, Billy Graham and his team, his co-workers, his partners in ministry, started to pray specifically and devise strategies they can implement to help them not give in to the vulnerabilities that were so common, but instead to finish well in the race of faith. So that brings us back to that question of what are your vulnerabilities? What are my vulnerabilities that may prevent us from finishing well in the race of faith? Busyness? Sexual immorality? Greed? Laziness? Maybe a drive to be popular? Maybe alcoholism? Maybe it's doubts about God or the Bible? Maybe it's just a desire to call your own shots. Or maybe it's a pull to go back to some old way of life. Maybe for you, your kryptonite is bitterness and cynicism. Or maybe you've just kind of gone on spiritual cruise control. You've been a Christian for a lot of years, maybe a lot of decades. But your mentality has become kind of been there, done that. And you're just kind of cruising along. But what's happening in the process is that your heart toward God is just kind of growing cold. You know, it's good to recognize our specific vulnerabilities and have people and strategies, just like Billy Graham did, that can help us to finish well in this race. Because if we are following Jesus, if we identify as Christian, we are in a race, and we have been given a baton to pass on to the next generation, a baton of the faith and the gospel. So how are we doing in the race of faith? Are you running hard? Have you gotten weary? Have you gotten distracted? Are you one of those people, like was said in the children's message, who've just kind of sat down or laid down on the track and aren't really running at all anymore? Maybe, maybe something over on the side of the racetrack got your attention and you got your, you're devoting most of your attention over there and kind of forgetting there's an actual race to run. You know, maybe you've actually just kind of sat the baton down and forgotten even that you have a baton to pass on. You know, there will be a point in our lives where much that we invest our time and energy in doesn't really matter anymore. Sports are one of those common things. Like I already said, that the school record I set in high school, it's not a record anymore. I mean, I can look back with fondness on that time, but at this point in the future... You know, sports accomplishments for me don't really matter all that much. I mean, the size of our bank account, our climbing of the corporate ladder or the social ladder, there will come a point in our lives where those things don't really matter all that much. In reality, there's not that much that we can invest in that really stands the test of time well. But there are things that do stand the test of time. And one of those big things is our walk with Jesus and our passing on of the baton to those around us. It's really, how do we invest in others? Especially helping them to live the life that God's calling them to live. Helping them embrace Jesus. 
But in order to help others well do that, we, we need to be running the race well ourselves. I pray that for each one of us, that when we get to the end of our lives, that we will be able to be like the Apostle Paul and say with integrity, not just with, with lip service, but with integrity, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have kept the faith. Let's pray. Our Lord Jesus, we thank you for the privilege we have through faith in you to being your children. And that you've entrusted us with a ministry. You've given us a metaphorical baton to carry and then to pass on to those around us. And Lord, I pray that we will be faithful. We are all vulnerable. I pray that you will remind us, Lord, that just as we sang earlier, prone to wander, Lord, I feel it's prone to leave the God I love. Lord, we are all prone to wander. There are so many factors that can pull us away from Jesus, even while we're still in a church building or in church activities. So Lord, please keep our heart engaged. Help us to love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And when a factor comes along that threatens to pull us away, Lord, I pray that you will give us an alertness to recognize that, to do business with that in terms of, of dealing with it so that it does not hinder us so that we can follow you. And Lord, I pray that we will always have people, men and women in our lives who love you as well, who can hold us accountable, who can encourage us, who can support us, who can share life with us, who can make the faith in you fun so that we do not get bored, so that we do not give up prematurely, but so that we can follow you throughout our lives. Lord, you are worthy of our wholehearted devotion. Please fill us with the joy that comes from knowing and following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.